Welcome to the Perfume Making Podcast with me, Karen Gilbert. And in this episode, I'm talking to fragrance industry veteran and founder of the Perfume Society, Lorna McKay. We'll be talking all about the importance of fragrance education, how scent makes us feel better, and what's happening in the world of perfumery, including the use of AI, and much, much more. So welcome to the podcast, Lorna. Thank you so, so much for joining me. Um, it's been it's been a while since we spoke, um, apart from obviously the other day when we had our quick chat. So I'm absolutely dying to hear about your kind of journey into fragrance. And I know our listeners will be dying to hear um, your journey as well. And so what I thought we would just start with is if you could just do a little bit of an intro for people who don't know who you are um, and just share a little bit about what you're doing with the Perfume Society, but also a little bit about the journey that led you to that point. So how did you end up in the freight? So maybe let's start here. So how did you end up in the fragrance industry? <laughs> well, <laughs> like off. everything. And then chance, ultimately, yeah. what yeah. led you to just to launch the Perfume Society? Um, always by chance, as I say, in that I um, was a very good girl. I come from southwest to Scotland. My mother was a head teacher. My father taught mentally handicapped. My sister taught little ones. So the whole family were involved in teaching and being a good girl, I was going to be a teacher like them. So I did qualify to be a teacher and education was, you know, asthmatically and everything else drummed into me from a very young age. But also I understood how important education was because it enabled people to, to do well um, and to grow and to learn. So it was always in my background then. It's funny, actually, because I had no idea until our chat the other day that that was your background. So that's, yeah, that's yeah. really fascinating for me. And yeah, but interestingly, I went to Harrods for a summer job. I won't, you know, kind of be disappointed to put me in the kilt department. I wonder why. <laughs> but um, And I loved it. And what I really loved was it was actually understanding what made customers buy. I could, I, I was fascinated. The psychology of retail really was what kind of attracted me. And I, so I start, I thought, right, that's it. I've got to, I've got to come in. I want to be a buyer. And, you know, a bit arrogant. I never thought I wouldn't be, but um, that was my aim to go back. And I, I remember um, thinking it was, I mean, from a tiny village in Scotland, it was very glamorous, very interesting, but the people were fantastic. And so I started off in Harrods, as, as, as a trainee, we did a, an executive training scheme where we learned all about retailing and everything like that. And I loved that too, because I just wanted to learn more. And learning's all, I, I still, the minute I stop learning, I stop working. It's as simple as that. Totally. Um, so yeah. I, yeah, exactly. And everybody, you know, unless you kind of achieve something and learn something new every day, you should really try because it's what keeps us all going, isn't it? So I became the, um, well, firstly, I was the international buyer, or the Harrods own label buyer with all the teddy bears and the pencils and the green bags and all of that. And I loved it because I was, I was dabbling in every category. I had a ball. And then I set up that, as the international buyer. I mean, they sent me on trips, not even knowing that I could speak French and German. But um, so I would set, go off on these trips and I set up the Harrods shop in Germany. I set up the Harrods shop and the QE2 in Japan. And then they were starting doing Harrods shop in London. 
So it meant my department was going to be split into Harrods London and Harrods International, although I'd been running both. So they were, it was a bit of a pickle what they were going to do with me. Um, so just at that time, the perfumery uh, buyership came up and I had been the assistant buyer of toiletries and men's grooming in the late 70s, early 80s. No, I know that department 70s. in Harrods. <laughs> I, I used to love it going into those little booths and that's where I kept fell in love with Abbey Rouge and used to wear it as my scent, you know. But that was way a long time ago. But I, I knew that I loved the whole perfume area and the smells. And, and I'm sure if I'd been better at science, I would have been a pharmacist. You know, but, you know languages were more my thing than science. Mm. So I loved it there. And then I became the perfumery buyer. But it wasn't an easy, it wasn't easy to become the buyer. They made me, you know, do a presentation. But I wanted it so much. I had it all singing, all dancing. I had videos, I'd, I'd, you know, kind of, oh. When I remember, um, but I was helped by a great man called Mike McRae, who worked in Harrods at the time, who helped me out with my video case. I'm sure the directors thought I was nuts. Um, anyway, I got the job and started there, and I had an absolutely wonderful time because I, until that point, I'd walked around the perfumery and cosmetics department rather than through it because it's a little bit intimidating if you don't know. What's inside. Yeah, and so was that when it was it was in the black hall? So there was the white hall. So for those of you listening, you don't know who've never been to Harrods, <laughs> and I haven't been for years, so I don't know if it's still the same. But there was the white room, which was all the beauty, and then the black hall was the black marble, you know, uh, yeah. hall that was all perfume. Yes. And it's With right in the middle, isn't it? And so mm, to walk yeah. through it was a bit like you were yeah. running the gauntlet of every all of these glamorous <laughs> assistants, you know, spraying yeah. perfumes. Exactly. And in fact, the, um, it was only it, the, the black hole was relatively new when I started. So it was and that's where they kept all the fragrances. And I used to go onto the counters and pick them up and spray them. And it was that that got me into the fact that I realized the more I sprayed, the more I bought because they weren't going to say to the buyer, oh, get your purse out, you know, mm-hmm. kind of I could do it. And then the other thing that some and as trying to learn my trade very quickly because I'd been buying for a while before I was the perfumery and cosmetics buyer. So I understood retail and industry and everything like that, but I wanted product knowledge. So hair, skin, nails, it's all quite logical. There's a, you know, there's a, a system that's logical, yeah. but with perfume, it's the most complex of all the beauty categories for me. And, and so what was your what was the key thing that helped you to learn how to be a good perfume buyer? Talking to the consultants, reading everything I could possibly read. The, the, the companies are fantastic with marketing information. So you could learn all about it. And then somebody showed me a genealogy chart, which if, if anybody doesn't know a genealogy chart, it's like a, a family tree in that you've got different categories. It's like wine. So there's floral, chifre, you know, floral ambre and um, woody, gourmand and all things like that. And when I saw that, I thought, oh, it is quite logical. But there was this also, also there was a bit of um, mystique in that, it, well, I remember my assistant bar, she smelled fantastic and she was wearing a fragrance. So immediately, I, you know, up with the, out with the purse, getting the, the perfume didn't suit me at all. Fortunately, it suited my sister and I could give it to her. But 
it, actually, it taught me that you've got to learn a little bit more, think a bit more, play a bit more. And I had this vision a long time ago about adding samples to You Magazine, because we used to do a lot of advertising with You Magazine and Hello. Mm-hmm. And I thought, if I try add a bag of samples, I don't know, I did, at that point, I didn't know how I was going to do it. But I just thought it will save people making mistakes. So this has always been at the back of my mind. So my experience in, in um Harrods, that's where I really learned a lot. I wanted to share this information that if you like, you know, this fragrance, you're probably going to like this one. Mm -hmm. So I was really fortunate. I was asked to set up Liberty Perfumery. Yeah. I mean, who gets that? So, yeah, and I don't don't remember a time actually when Liberty didn't have a perfumery. So when Mm. was that? It didn't have Early 90s. They they had Ah, a bath and body in the basement. No perfumery. Oh. Well, that was just fantastic because you could start from scratch. And I also, at that time, the interesting thing was that the, as, as a buyer of Harrods, we had great big brands who are just amazing and, and give you so much help and support and everything like that. But there was this little thing coming along, which was the niche indie brands coming along at the time. But it was quite hard for them to have a space in Harrods because, you know, space is money. Yeah, it's expensive for anyone trying to launch a brand to get into somewhere like Harrods, a big store. It's, yeah, it's, um, and most people don't realise that, you know, the brands Mm. have to pay quite a lot as a, for a concession to be I mean, in those stores. It, it is a partnership and things like that. But when, when you've put all your effort and money into creating a brand, <clears throat> having the distribution and outlet is another heart. It's another whole different world. Yeah. So I, I, I saw this as an opportunity and I, probably I was very lucky with timing. So all these little indie brands and interesting brands I put, and I can, if I can remember correctly, I've got images somewhere. I should have had a look and see. I think they were in boxes. So you were getting, you know, the big brands next to the little brands in a box. So they were very, they were treated very democratically. And that was the same. I introduced, well, I called it Fred in those days because it was fragrance education. Yeah, so tell us about Fred. <laughs> Fred. I mean, I can picture him. He's gorgeous. But um, anyway, Fred is fragrance education. And what it was, a guide to choosing fragrance. The the whole point is that when when somebody comes come into a store, whether it was Liberty, any other store, the most often um, asked question was, um, I wear eggs. I'd like to try something new. But they, actually, you look around and there's hundreds and hundreds of choice. So I actually worked with a geek and an old Amstrad computer and a floppy disk. And it used to have um, fax paper that rolled out onto the floor all along, you know, kind of, and it was way before, I mean, there was no touchscreen, there was no internet. It was just common sense. So or we now call it find a fragrance is is still at the center of the perfume society website because it's a guide to choosing fragrance and if you think there were over 2000 fragrances launched last year i was going to say 1980 and 1990 i think yeah when i was in when i was at iff and i guess when you were creating the when you were a buyer creating liberties actually the fragrance launches there was still quite a lot, but it's absolutely nothing compared to now. Yeah. It's so almost impossible for people to keep up, especially absolutely. with all of the niche, the indie, the mainstream launches, the flankers. Yeah, even for us, it's hard to keep up. We're very fortunate at the Perfume Society. New launches, the te- people tend to tell us that it's happening and we put it in our magazine and things. But, but actually, it's really hard for a customer to choose when 
they're having some customers. And we, we found that when we launched the Perfume Society, people don't know where to start. And that's yeah. exactly why we launched the Perfume Society. So, yeah. Let's, so for those um, listeners who might not be familiar with the Perfume Society, I mean, it's grown quite yeah, extensively. Yeah. I remember when you were launching it, I think, was it back in 2012 or 13? 14. Oh, 2014. Yeah. No, before, before that, I was doing QVC's Beauty. But yeah, it's so still 2014, all I remember, <laughs> yeah. yeah, when you launched it. And mm. um, yeah, so so tell us a bit. So for those of you, for people listening who don't know what the Perfume Society is, I'll put the links in the show notes anyway, Thank so you. people can click through. But yeah, if you could just share a little bit about why you started right. that and what it, what it does. Well, the perfect, I mean, it's, it's changed as I mentioned QVC, because when I went to QVC, that was one of the cleverest things I ever saw. And it was actually having the, the, the product, if you like, in the customer's living room. And nowadays, we've got it on our desk, on our home, on our phone, and everything like that. And, Q, and what it was, it was much more kind of, um, you had a relationship almost with your computer with or your phone yeah. or whatever. And that's how QVC was. I didn't do so much in perfume at QVC because it was still quite difficult to get the idea. Oh, we did a bit. And I think but, it is um, a little bit still now I, difficult yeah. to get across, you know, selling a fragrance on social media, online. I mean, you've got a lot of TikTok and YouTube influencers now who mm. seem to do it very well. But it's still, you know, it's still tricky for people to be able to choose something that they yes. like through a computer screen. Well, that's why the Perfume Society was set up so that people could do their homework before they went shopping. And whether that's on a screen or a store or anything like that, what we tried to do is put all the knowledge that we could possibly have. As you can see, I'm not 21. So I've been doing this, you know, I, was, I actually worked at Arab before the before. I How long have you been in the industry? 46 years. 46 years. A veteran. I know. I know. No, it's ridiculous. I still feel 21 and still want to be, always feel like that. But um, it's quite interesting because people come, come along and they, they, you know, they don't understand how hard it was. So what we were trying to do is put all, all the different aspects and create almost like a hub where people could go for information. And on the website, if people have got any time, you know, double check what you're buying because perfume is expensive. You know, it's yeah. not a, a, it's got to be a considered purchase. You know. And it's got so, more, exp we were t talking about that the other day, actually, it's become, it's it's got more and more expensive, obviously with, you know, um, materials, costs mm -hmm. going up, packaging, mm -hmm. that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, well, there's a lot well, to it now. Well, maybe it's the Scottish bit in me, but I don't pe want people to waste the money. So with the Perfume Society, what we tried to do was set up somewhere where people could go for information to empower them you know, because I'm not here to dictate to people what to wear, because actually perfume is personal. Very and that's what so. people must. And all I say to people is play with perfume and, to, and find out what you want. So there were several things we did. So we, the first thing I, I, I actually had my vision into practice and created um, discovery boxes. I, put, I brought one out. So, yeah. you know, these... The, the seasonal sense box. Now, I'm not trying to do a hard sell or something. What, I want, what we were trying to do with that was, again, make it easy for the customer saying, OK, when you change your wardrobe, why wouldn't you change your perfume? So yep. we've got a seasonal sense subscription box that they do. And what you get with that is not just a sample thrown in a bag because that's not good either. 
you actually can learn more about it. So we've got an unboxing video, we've got smelling notes, we've got a lot to back it up. So that was one thing we did so that people could, could do that. On our website, we keep giving information. We have a blog, we have um, all sorts of information. And your gorgeous magazine as well. Well, absolutely. This this is just fantastic. This is last month. We'll talk a bit, maybe a bit this one in a minute. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, one of my questions to ask you on my list, I had no idea. I only just saw the magazine cover. I was like, oh, I've got one of my questions. It's quite pertinent to that. And I literally just had a bit of a a, a whiz through that article just before jumping on with you because I had no idea that that was a topic. But we'll share a little bit more about that in a moment. But yeah, carry on. So the the magazine. um, the editor, Joan, um, who's the editor of the magazine, she's brilliant, absolutely brilliant, as is Susie and all the other writers that, that write for us. We, um, you know, it's a, a magazine full of information, practical information, interesting information. And because apparently I'm the advertising manager, but we'll leave that at the moment. <laughs> um, but the articles themselves, I learn every time, every time. And I said to Joan the other day, I said, every time I read it, I cry. I can't believe it's our magazine because it's, it's so, so brilliant. Good. And it's beautiful. And glossy and actually yeah. one of the things that I really like um, as, that's especially helpful for me is because as you say you know the brands let you know when there's a new launch I remember back in the day when I was at IFF uh, you know, we I used to get a, a little box on actually a bit like your subscription boxes but mm-hmm. little vials of you know, the main creative centres would would decant, would get all of the new launches, decant a sample for every office, and we would mm-hmm. all get them through and sat on our desk every month. We'd get the new launches so that we could smell through them to figure out, you know, what the trends would be. And obviously, you know, I haven't been in the industry in like that for years. I don't actually know whether that must be a big job for someone now if they're still doing that. I don't know if they yeah. are. But, you I know, know, I either. I can't keep up. I My finger is so not on the pulse of the latest launches. And I think having something like the, the yes. magazine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, this is helpful. It's, it is. It's really it helpful. is because so, it's hard to yeah. keep up. And people that I know that you're talking to a lot of people creating, it's good to show what else is out there. And again, even if you're just wanting to know a little bit more about perfume, you don't need to even know all the families because we've colour coded it. I yeah. spent a lot of time looking at all the different methods that it had been done and came up with what I call it as Fred's fan because it was Fred at the time. Um, and the colour coordinated. So we know, you know, kind of the pink one is actually a floral. The yeah. yellow one is, is is fresh, you know. So it's it's a really good guide again. And then you can read more. So it, it helps the customer to understand what the what's in the fragrance. And, you yeah, know, and then absolutely. Say, oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that's such a big thing in... Um, it's a really helpful thing for people that I speak. So people who come to my pro join my courses, my programs, the majority of them want to create fragrances themselves. And I think sometimes there is this little bit of a misunderstanding on when you look at a perfume brand's website, they'll have the scent notes. And I think everybody's obsessed with scent notes. And that doesn't necessarily, I've said it before, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not designed for you to be able to deconstruct the perfume in order to copy it, if you like. Yeah. It's there as a sales tool to give inspiration. And I think having a lot more education around what makes up a fragrance family and 
people can mm-hmm. look at the different um, types of fragrance that fit into that family and maybe and even smell them in the subscription boxes. That really yeah. helps with the creative process as well, knowing what's out there, knowing what the trends are. So true. You need to know. I mean, it's like anybody. You need to know what the competition's doing so that you can actually go one step further. Yeah. And, and with that. that in mind, so um, on to sort of this question that I really wanted to um, to ask you, you know, what do you see? You know, perfume, the perfume industry is changing all the time. We've got new technology, new materials, new regulations, um, so many launches. What, what is there anything that you see as a future of perfumery? And First off, and then as a couple of little sub questions as well to that. Mm. I I actually think that um, it's really hard to make it in the industry. You know, I'm I'm not brave enough to try, um, but it's not it's not what my best skill is. So I I um, and I'm not 21. Um, but for me, I think there'll be more and more launches. Um, I think what will happen is the ones that don't survive will disappear quite quickly because it's just too expensive to be in that field. Those, I think people will do a little bit how beauty became before it became um, kind of before it exploded. There'll be a lot of people playing around, but I actually think that the, there will be evolution and interest and new smells and exciting smells, both from the big brands and the indie brands. I yeah. think they'll both do it. I think, yes, a lot of people will look at AI. I, I Yeah, so that was one that- of the questions. So do you, how big a, a part do you think that AI, artificial intelligence will will be in perfumery. And just for those people listening, the magazine, there is an article on AI in perfumery in this month's scented letter. So if you're interested in that in a bit more depth, go check out that. But you can get it as a, if you subscribe online, the online version is free, isn't it? Or if you want the glossy, yes, then that's a paid for. So you know, it's not yeah, a yeah. sales pitch. You can go and, no, and read it for free. But Sign yeah, so, up and you'll get it. But artificial intelligence is actually, it's just intelligence, which is artificial. I know that sounds nuts again. But what I would say is our AI will only be as good as the people putting the information in. Oh, I went, I've been so down a rabbit hole. I'm loving it. You know what we're saying about learning? <laughs> I love it. In that, I, I hope and I really, really hope that people will be sensible with it and, and not and learn from this mistakes. The Internet is wonderful, but it does bad things, too. So there's so many more good things and it will be the same with AI. And, and I think people are being a little bit cautious. I'm delighted to say now, if I show you that cover that was created, the, the design was our lovely Jenny, who is our designer, who did it. But yeah. The actual image was AI. That's really interesting. So for those of you listening on audio, you'll need to go Mm. out and go and check out the um, issue. So at the time of recording, this is what date is it today? It's it's, um, It's just the the third of October. So by the time this comes out, it will be the next month. So the October issue of the scented letter, if you want to look at the cover of the, uh, of, of the, yeah, this is the autumn issue. So we'll autumn. have it until the end, till the beginning of December. So oh, okay. Yeah. For, so yeah. by the time yeah. this so podcast comes out, yeah. it will still be, it yeah. will still be there. So the image was created by AI. Yeah. I've, I've dipped my toe into it a little bit as well. And actually, funnily enough, I am running a, a, a free five day, um, like workshop, um, uh, next week actually and 
it's really all about designing a scent. And so we talk about coming up with a concept, coming up with a scent story and, you know, mapping that out into mood boards and how you kind of select all your materials. And one of the things that I did, because I've been sort of thinking, oh, what theme shall I choose? I stumbled upon a particular trend and um, I just thought, oh, I don't really know much about that trend. And I will type that into chat GPT and get it to describe what that trend is for me and give me an aesthetic. So what clothing, what outfits would go with that trend, what interiors. And it came up with a whole list. And then I said to it, OK, so could you take this trend and turn write me a story based on this trend with the view that we will be using that as inspiration for a perfume. And it did. It wrote me this little story and it was a bit cheesy and it was a bit robotic. You know, it's not something that it was a bit kind of Harry Potter-esque because of the theme. Um, but it was like, wow, that is a super quick way to kind of get you, get brainstorm some ideas, get them down on paper and then think, OK, how can I put my own creativity into that? It, it's, yeah. it's interesting. Oh, it's fascinating. I, 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 you know, the thing is, it's all about the question you ask it. Absolutely. You've got yeah. to ask the right question. The other thing is it can get confused. And there's two things that I did that, because we're looking at AI in relation to find a fragrance, which is yeah. quite difficult because one of the questions I asked us about a, a perfume and they said, we have no information in that because our information only goes up to September, 2021. Yeah, thought, because it wow. can't. So with ChatGPT, it can't search the internet. I think Google yeah. has got a version which is yes. on their browser, which can search the internet. So I think it's just it depends on on what one you use. But I think there's so yeah. many tools, you yeah. know, coming out that are going to give very, very different um, to do de- do different tasks, basically. And I know that yeah. there are some perfume houses using AI as well to help with different things. And, and I... D- what are your thoughts Comple- on that? Well, my, funny you should say that, completely by chance. Um, my wonderful team have put up today an interview with Olivia Crisp, that, um, Alison, oh, who, yeah. run, I mean, she does all the work, actually. I just kind of play with the perfumes. Not really. <laughs> but, um, um, but Alison um, was at a, a, a discussion with Olivia Crisp, who's a brilliant, brilliant perfumer. Yeah. Have you, I mean, you've got yeah. to try it. His, Perfumes are amazing. And he, he, he gives a really good answer on our Instagram today. But what, what I think will happen is they'll use it for basics. They'll use it for time constraints. They'll use it for analysis and different things. But it is that kind of thing that they can take away the mystique a little bit, but the magic is added by the perfumer. Exactly. So and basics. It's like chefs. Yeah. You know, you can get a recipe. Gordon Ramsay would do it slightly different from me, especially as I can't cook. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's, yeah, it's, and I, I, I think def- it will be an aid. Yeah. So mm. it's and I think one of the dangers, I suppose, is people people are worried that the you know AI will take away people with create, you know, the creativity from creative jobs. But but actually, as you say, it's only as good as what you put in. And yeah. also that magic that comes from you know, your own ideas, your own skill, it's never going to be able to be replicated Absolutely. by a computer program. So I, I also asked, I asked a question 
I, I should give it a name, as he does, and, and, and they did with, I think it was Feminish. Um, but I asked a question about a brand, and then they, they started talking about the brand, and they actually digressed into something that, because I'm in the industry, I knew was wrong. But if I hadn't been knowledgeable, I wouldn't have known it was wrong. And then if you think of that multiplied out so exactly. many times, so they can, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. that mm. is the problem. It, it kind of goes off on its own tangent and makes things yes. up sometimes. And I've done little tests like that with it. And it's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. like, hmm, yeah, maybe that's not quite correct. But I love it. I'm, it I'm is fun. It is fun. More. It's fun. As and, long as you take it for fun. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so just following on from, you know, that question with almost like on the flip side of that um, with perfumery, you know, what are your thoughts on the demand, continuing demand for natural perfumes? Because I, I get a lot of students that want to create natural perfumes. And then I also, there are also people who have skincare ranges who want to create fragrances for that. And has the, so first off, I suppose, has the clean beauty trend really affected perfumery or is it, do you think it stayed in, in beauty? And where do you think that will go in the next few years? And also, will the conversation change to be more about sustainable rather than natural? And where, where do you see that going? Um, it's a question that I'm asked quite a lot about natural perfumery. And my kind of answer used to be, well, my problem with natural is that actually often it doesn't last. And mm-hmm. I, I worked on the Lizelle perfumes uh, many years ago and brilliant, brilliant smells and, and great ingredients. But you, we still had to add something to make sure that they actually stayed. Yeah, they, that's they, always the thing. They that's, did yeah. have a small percentage of synthetics in there. I think yeah. one of the yeah, interesting yeah. things... Um, for me, actually, in the materials that are coming out is I'm seeing a lot of bigger houses putting a lot of investment, you know, people like IFF, Shiverdan, you know, Firmanish, putting a lot of investment into naturals and sustainable materials, because obviously naturals yeah. are a huge part of fragrance, because people sometimes think that all commercial perfume is all just synthetics. And it's not, you know, it's naturals not. do pay, play a big part. But also yeah. the technology that's coming through, like the white biotech. Yes. Um, so do you think that will play a huge part? Uh, for me, I think what will happen is it will evolve, evolve, but I think, as you rightly kind of pointed out, asked me, will it be sustainable? I think it will be quality and conscious, that consciousness and as, as much as anything else. Because if you think of natural, you know, poison's natural. Do, do you know what I mean? Oh, but no, it, exactly, is, yeah. It's, it's a really con- confused um, issue for some people. So for me, I think it will be quality and consciousness that will look almost looking at gen, gen, uh, longevity and how we can help the people and the planet and things like that. So, yeah, so it ethics, won't just, so ethics be, yeah, rather ethics, than yes. just being natural for the sake of natural or sustainable yeah, you know yeah. it's it's a whole big rabbit hole and i have done an episode yeah. for those people listening who are interested in the naturals versus synthetics and the sustainability i did do an episode right sort of at the beginning um of this podcast sort of probably back in july august on that so if i'll link it in the show notes so if anybody's interested in more depth of that but yeah that's yeah. interesting because it's a little bit of a we, we sort of never really know where things are going to go no, but I think at the moment, you know, maybe people wouldn't agree with me, but I think we're in quite a chaotic world and we need some 
kind of calm, and I don't mean calm, but not fun, but calming of, you know, kind of like jerky things. Oh, it's got to be this or it's got to be that. And I think it's, no, it's just much more even. And if you want something, you'll go down your route and that's okay, but try not to impose it upon me. So I think the, the chaos will be calmed. This is me. I think I'm dreaming too, but the chaos will be calmed. <laughs> there's always hope, hope that so. that will happen. There's always hey. hope. It's got to change. It's got to change. So if, if, if that happens, I think people... It's, it's, and it sounds so trite to say, but be kinder to each other, the environment and everything that. And I think that will be reflected because for, in my mind, perfume always reflects society. Absolutely. Right through the ages. Yeah. So mm. if you look back mm. from, you know, and this is some of the, something that I, I talk to, to my um, people about when we're talking about the history of perfumery, really everything that happens in fashion is really a reflection of what's yeah. going on in politics and society and the world. And, and actually, fragrance still does take a lot of um, what's happening in fashion yeah. does translate yeah, yeah. down into fragrance. It mirrors it. It, it mirrors does. it in a funny sort of a way. It reflects it, right? It's maybe a better Yeah, we think about, you know, what was you happening know, in the yeah. 80s with all the big shoulder pads yeah. and the, exactly. you know, power and dressing. The, the fragrances were like that yes. too. And, and that's why I think Niche came, I think it was instrumental in helping Niche come up because they didn't want to be the celebrity, they wanted to be the individual. So, and not follow that celebrity, but be yourself. And that's how Niche, in my opinion, came along. If you think of after the war and they had all the green fragrances, it was yeah. new shirts, new beginnings. So it's always reflected it. And, and the power of things of the big shoulders, big power perfumes. Oh, I loved it. It was great. I lived it. <laughs> it was really fabulous. No, I, um, so I do think that perfume reflects society. Um, and again, you know, kind of the genderless fragrances when, C when um, CK1 was launched a long yeah. time ago, that was the beginning of kind of awareness. And I, you know, it's, I, I'm fascinated by the history, how it reflects what's happening in society. I love it. Yeah. And I think that that is really, really coming to the forefront now I'm seeing. So, you know, obviously there are going to be people playing with the AI trend. And I've seen already a few kind of even indie perfume brands doing things with AI, um, with perfume or creating fragrances um, with, with that. I think it was it Rook? Um, Rook yes, Perfumes yes, is a, is a, um, yep. a small mm -hmm. indie brand and yeah. mm -hmm. um, they have a fragrance called Scenting the Metaverse. Was it? Is that what it's called? Yeah. It's yes, in the magazine right. anyway. Yeah, I yeah, saw yeah. it today. Absolutely. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. um, and you see, he's a doctor. He is actually. Yeah. And weirdly enough, he was also, he's also an actor and he was in um, School of Rock, the musical in the West End. And my nephew was in it with the same in at the same time, and so he knew my nephew before I even knew he was in he was a perfumer. It was very very weird connection. Anyway, the other trend that I am seeing off the back of what you were saying about being kinder in the chaotic world is that perfumery is really pushing into the well-being. It's really trying crossing over oh, with the well-being. Oh, and I've been banging on about that for like 10 mm -hmm. odd years about scent yep. and well-being, scent and well-being. And I talk about it so much. And I feel like for me, it's like, 
well, I've been talking about that for 10 years. How is that a new thing? But it hasn't really filtered out of the, I suppose, natural beauty, out of the aromatherapy into the mainstream perfume world until the it last couple of years. And that's big. I think, you know, we're, we've all been, you know, we've gone through the chaos of 2020, 2021. And everyone, as you say, is feeling a bit sort of the world is this crazy place. And yeah. so... It kind of makes sense that people want that. There's two things that have happened in that field, all about well-being and and wellness, and does it really work? Right. The first thing is there's a brand called Edenist, and I was hooked up to a thing around my head electronically and my fingers and smelling, and you could see the effect it was having on your brain. So, of course, Audrey Semerara, Clever, clever lady. Great brand to to actually show that it worked. But we've known that for a long, long time. I was going to say week, back in the nineties mm. when I was at IFF. You know, we they they did a lot of research onto mm. you know wiring people up to heart rate monitors and what smells. Um, and that's really, I guess, where I learned about the scent and well-being thing because I only went into aromatherapy and naturals after I left. IFF. So I kind of learned the science, you know, the aromacology, the science behind mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm, and so, yeah, that's mm-hmm. been going for, right. for years, but it was always closed doors, wasn't it? It's never been out there in the public. So well, it's really interesting, interesting to see that now. I also was fortunate enough to go to the um, year, the kind of anniversary of Kate Moss's fragrance, yeah. Sacred Mist. I am so impressed. I haven't so smelled impressed. it, actually. Oh, it's, it's brilliant. And you know what I was saying about calm? Mm-hmm. I promise you. I went into Harrods and the first time I spelt it and I thought, it really does work. And I thought, am I just, am I imagining this? Am I just wanting this to be right? Went and I listened to Victoria Young, who was the uh, holistic healer who actually created it. And she went through all the all the notes and the fragrances to explain what they did in, in relation to Kate's. We don't we can't all have our own fragrance made by Victoria, <laughs> I don't think. But in relation to Kate, and it all made such logical sense. Mm. And I I actually was there. And Deepak Chopra, you know, who's the king of meditation. I saw I saw that she had him at her launch doing a guided meditation. It's like, of course she did. Of course, Kate Moss had Deepak. I know, I know. But the funny thing was, I I mean, I could have gone and I said, I can't go, I've got to go to the warehouse. How did I not go? I know. Oh, don't you even missed know. it. Anyway, I know. I know. Um, I was a busy lady. I mean, no, I'm just joking. Um, but actually, he said he, had, he the experience for him when he put sacred mist on had a more powerful effect on him. Now, for me, if I hadn't experienced it myself, I wouldn't have been a little bit mm, really skeptical. I, yeah, I, I, I know. But actually. It really, and it is all due to the aromatherapy and everything that's in it. But I know myself, you know, we do our kind of seasonal scents box. But in the winter, I'll sometimes go, if I've got any samples left from a summer box, and put them on to be uplifted, to be lighter, to be sunnier, to remind you of holidays. So all of that is all having an effect on the mood. Absolutely. It's all on our mood. So we, we, we know that it affects how we feel. So this is this leads me nicely into um yeah, I, I guess you've already answered the question. So, you know, obviously we know that fragrances evoke emotions and moods. And one of my questions was gonna be, you know, how do you believe fragrances can enhance our daily lives rather than just smelling pleasant? But I think you've probably answered that. 
How do you incorporate I, scent into your? Do you wear one scent a day or a, a day, or do you no, spritz it? Or, no, no, no. Oh, I'm I'm just loads. I'm doused. Do you have a morning one, an afternoon no, one, a bedtime um, one? No, 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 no. I'm never that disciplined. I've got, as you can imagine, I'm very fortunate. I've got loads of fragrances. I've got loads of samples. And I remind myself as well, and I smile sometimes when I, oh, I remember where I wore that and stuff like that. But I also, I'm doing it professionally as yeah, well. To so think, people, oh, what yeah. does that smell like again? And I often put it on here, you know, even if I'm sitting yeah, in a Yeah, so you're evaluating fragrances. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, all the time. But as if I'm going out or I'm doing, I can have four or five on at a time. I mustn't tell the brands that. I know it's not. <laughs> but I actually do that because I think, oh, I Oh, it needs a wee bit more powdery. Oh, a wee bit more brightness. Oh, so you layer them up completely then, do you? I'm I'm terrible. And then some days I just go pure. (laughs) Okay, so um, what scent? So obviously obviously there's a a huge connection between scent and memory. So do you have a really strong personal memory experience that has that is linked with a fragrance that holds a, a real significance for you? Um, uh, I actually, um, the first pure perfume I was given was number 22 by my husband. Oh, so that's quite yeah. special. And at that point, they hadn't done, you know, kind of the uh, eau de parfum and, and things yeah. in, by Chanel. And funnily enough, I, I, I'd used it up quite, quite, you know, we've been together quite a few years and I'd used it up a while ago. And I always kept thinking I must get another bottle of pure perfume. I never did. But... I was lucky again, went to Chanel for a meeting and the lovely girls gave me a bottle of Chanel 22 and I put it on and I went home and I said to my daughter, um, because she's, she works in wine, she's, you know, she's interested in perfume, but you know, not, she's more interested in wine. I don't know how to change her. But um, anyway, um, she, I said, oh, I said, what do you think? Smell, what do you think? And she says, well, that's you. And I thought that was really strange because it had been quite a wee while since I'd worn it. But that she says, "But that's you. That's but it your was smell. her growing up, remem- remembering yeah, yeah, the smell yeah, yeah. that you wore when yeah, she was yeah. growing up." Yeah, and and the other thing that happened that I thought was weird as well was when I was pregnant. Um, I I loved Jean Paul Gaultier's original, you know, the original. And I used to wear it. And then when she was born, they sent me a teddy bear, weirdly, and um, with a kilt on, of course. You know. And then uh, Frances Kirchner reformulated it to make it more contemporary. And she started wearing the more modern version. Oh. So you don't know about genetics or heritage. So yeah. it's quite interesting. And all of that fascinates me. Because there's no rules in, in perfume, but there's some rhythms that kind of go in. It's yeah, really and that that really ties back into, I suppose, you know, what people are, you know, the associations that we have with scent are really those associations yeah. that we have when we're growing up. Because you know, yes, our, our yeah. sense of smell develops when we're very young, and we, you know, we're still making sense of the world, and so it kind of, you know, it's logical that the sense maybe our mother or grandmother or people who are yeah. significant in our lives loved and wore will hold a kind of a special place for us, even if we don't realise it. I mean, I remember my mum, my mum used to wear opium growing up. <gasps> so I, I wore and it too, I love it. And it's not something that I would wear now. I mean, I think it's changed quite a lot over the years and it's not, it's a bit of a shadow of its former self with reformulations and what have you. 
but it's like to, those yeah. real resinous, ambery, mm-hmm. spicy mm-hmm. scents are mm-hmm. still the ones that I will always, always go to. So I think my perfume taste is very similar to that of my mum when yeah. I was growing up. It's probably comfort because yeah. I know that I like a powdery, I like iris, I like powdery smells, but my mother used to wear um, Hartnell in love. And that and very powdery. So maybe it's that. Yeah, tweed, maybe. That I think she went on. My well. my mum went on to yeah. cocoa as well. So she oh. wore opium and cocoa. And very then similar. I did exactly the same. Then though, <laughs> there was a there was a time that was a little bit of a blip when she started wearing Giorgio Beverly Hills, which uh, that that so I was that I was a bit horrified at that. So that definitely wasn't a positive scent memory for me. It's like, no, go back to the spicy ones. I was the buyer at Harrods when it was launched and Harvey Nichols had the launch and I was so upset because you could see, you know, everybody was streaming there, the yellow and white awnings down. And I remember meeting uh, the the creator in Beverly Hills and thinking, oh, this is great. And he did something called 473 that I've still got bottles up the stair of. It was so funny. So funny. It was, yeah. funny times that was the the 80s wasn't it definitely yeah and so I think yeah so um Mm. then we we kind of yeah so we move from the 80s 90s and niche obviously has I didn't realize actually because I was out of the industry for quite some time and I didn't realize that niche actually start was really starting to come in you said in the 90s Oh, 80s, 90s. 80s, 90s, yeah. As as, as a buyer, I was seeing young, you know, little brands coming. Yeah, so I guess because I was sort of Mm. on the, I wasn't in retail then, I was in sort of in development. So I didn't realise actually that it was was coming through then. I really just Mm. saw the influx probably, I guess, in the sort of 2000s. And so I know one of the things that I love about the Perfume Society and what you do with your website and boxes is that it's not just the big brands that you champion. You mm. we do I do see a lot of I mean, as I said to you the other day, there was one box long, long while ago that you had that was like a, an indie niche box. And I, op- I ha- opened it and I was like, oh, this person has done one of my classes and that person has done so. <laughs> and it was it was people that I recognize. And that is so refreshing because there are, there are mm-hmm. so few avenues for small niche indie brands to come through. So if you've got, is, is there any sort of, I mean, we know how difficult it is to, to get, to really sort of break a brand um, in the fragrance and beauty industry. But is there any any words of encouragement or advice that you would give to someone who is starting out, who's looking to create their own indie artisan perfumery brand? Is there anything that you advice that you would give them? Go your heart, go your passion. That would be my first instinct. Try and find a friendly buyer because to get distribution is really hard you know and I I'm not kind of offering myself out to the world but actually I I've always championed the little people if that makes sense yeah. even when I was at when I was at Harrods when I was at Liberty when I was at QVC because I always thought we do big things with the big brands and just small steps with the small brands to try and get them onto the level to the next one you know I remember at QVC you know she's a brilliant brilliant um, therapist Sarah Chapman coming along telling me about a brand before it was even there and just working with it and holding people's hands I did the same with Liz and Kim at Lizelle mm-hmm. holding their hands but if you can 
you know, and I, I will always try and guide people if they've got questions as to talk to that people. It's harder and harder than ever. Or, you know, get your own website and things like that. But it's really, really hard to make it in the industry. But don't let that stop your passion. Yeah, and happening. I think I think there's there are so many different ways to get out there nowadays yes. that are not necessarily just reliant on getting into retail. You know, totally agree. you can have your own TikTok channel, you know, your own YouTube channel. You can have your own website. You can really do a lot of those things yourself now that I suppose 10, 20 years ago weren't available. I mean, I've seen a brand recently that I discovered just because I delved into the TikTok route, you know, world. Mm -hmm. And because I was creating content, I was sort of searching for other perfume creators and mm -hmm. uh, content creators. And I found this little brand in California. They opened in lockdown and did she, I think she did a, a few classes at the Institute and Art of Art and Olfaction and um, her and her boyfriend created this little perfume brand, a small collection. And I think she's got sort of tens of thousands of followers now on TikTok and everything is all pre-order because yeah. they're obviously yeah, yeah. doing everything themselves, but they are making a living just doing that. Yeah, Sophie King in London, so Sophie London, she does that. She's a clever, clever young lady. Um, but there's lots of brands like that. And what I would say is um, really make sure you've got a good product, as she has. Um, but actually, because you can sell it once, it's the second sale that matters. So Absolutely. you've got to make make sure it adds up to all the things that you want it to be. And that, that's the advice I would give to somebody is make sure everything, it's not just because, you know, there's so many smells, it's the whole package needs to be together to make it successful. Depending on, it depends what people want to do with it too. Some people don't want to rule the world. They're very happy just making a, a living or going along, or they just want to share their passion, like root perfumes, you know, yeah. sharing the passion of what somebody does. There's, there's so many different ways you can do it now, you know, to actually communicate what you're making. It's, an ex it's so exciting. And I will always listen to and help where I can because you know I, I don't mean I've had my career you know once I stop learning I start working but um, I, I'm really happy to try and help people because you know at this stage you we've we've all learned such a lot why wouldn't you impart knowledge if you've got it That's absolutely the, the and I think me. it's one of those things that's so I mean it is changing quite a lot actually it was so rare in the fragrance industry because everyone was very guarded about their knowledge and how to do things and I do I do see you know perfumers coming out and talking about their process now a lot more than they used to um, mm -hmm. so yeah it's always really great to have you know the more the merrier in educate fragrance education for me and, and we will always, education, information, communication, that's what we do. And, and I think the more that people do that, the better. But I, I also think that we've got to empower the customer because the customer, yes, it's an, uh, it's a, it can be a, an expensive purchase if you get it wrong, especially, or it can be a joyous present or, or purchase if you get it right. So for me, it's actually empowering the customer by giving them knowledge. It doesn't matter what I wear. It doesn't matter at all what I wear. You need to try it on your skin. And I love, you know, that the community is very generous in very 
you know, and and sharing information and and and, and you know, and going to launches and everything like that. But actually. What we're doing it for is is to help the customer, and I can't say enough to people. If you're worried, or, you know, wanting to do, to know more about perfume, the consultants are brilliant. I don't know if you've seen it. I've been going into stores and doing a little bit in different stores. Yes, I did and, see on your um, Instagram that you've been doing little reels of that. Yeah, because I'm trying to break down the barriers that I had before I was a perfumery buyer, mm-hmm. you know, because I was a little bit, oh, gosh, you know, is my lipstick the right colour? It doesn't matter at all because these girls are there, are boys are there to help you. They have the knowledge, the brands spend millions in training to give them the information to give to you. So don't hesitate and go and ask for advice, you know, and ask to try and don't ever feel that you have to get your purse out when you're trying it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, because you need to let us, all of your um, people that go in the courses will know, um, you need to try and let it develop and see how it affects your skin, your body. So I, I really can't say to people enough, try before you buy. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Lorna, for sharing all of your words of wisdom. And before we wrap up, have, what's what's coming up for the Perfume Society? Have you got any exciting things in the in the pipeline that you can share? <laughs> yes, we've always got exciting things. Well, it, find a fragrance. We're, as I say, we're really working on to upgrade. We our next kind of concept for winter is a feast of the senses because we actually want to explore all of the senses and, you know, we'll be looking at spices, ingredients and things because it is that opulent time of year through the winter. And just actually try again, trying to, to help people understand the ingredients and things that go into fragrances to make it more exciting, really. You know, and the other thing I want to do is actually promote more people like you because the biggest thing that we find is people are coming to us and asking us questions. Now, yeah. when, they, when they come to us and say, I'd like to create a perfume, you know, you're the ideal person to talk to. There's all these little indie brands too. There's quite a few people doing really, really fabulous things. Absolutely. And we want to put that. We're looking at the front page of the website so that it's kind of what's going on in store. What, you know, who do I ask for what? So that it, we, we're shortening the journey of discovery for the people that want to have more information. You know, my, my, my com- commitment is to try and make people smell better. <laughs> In every facet. <laughs> Definitely. Know. I think that is a, uh, it's a good mantra to live by. Yeah, but we we get so much coming out. We get lots, you know, new boxes coming out. The new, the next magazine. I'm excited already. I'm trying not to cry this time. I can but, see. You know, I, it's, it's, it's so just, obvious how much you love the fragrance industry and how much you love I what do. you do. I do. Um, that really, really comes across. And so, what I will do then, I will put all of the details about the perfume society any links I'll, I'll just have a quick chat to you afterwards and see you know if there's anything specifically you want me to stick in the show notes so for anyone listening um just scroll down below the episode at whatever podcast platform you're listening on and have a look at the show notes and there will be a link to the perfume society there where you can check out everything that we have been talking about and um grab your copy of the magazine and just be more educated about fragrance thank you enjoy it and enjoy enjoy it it. yeah Yeah. absolutely so thank you so much for joining me Lorna and my um, pleasure thanks to everyone for listening and I will see you 
or speak to you all next time. Bye for now. Bye.